0: It is Spirit Mornings here on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Let's get our scripture on. I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know you more. I want to touch you. I want to see your face. I want to know you more. And a sure thing to know you more is to get into the good book. We're talking scripture here. Spirit mornings, Sharon Doran from the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study back with us, and uh, Sharon, it seems like uh, forever since uh, since we've been going. So uh, welcome back. Hi, Bruce.
1: Hi, good morning. Good morning. It's great to be back. You've been busy. You've yes. been doing carathons and on the road and in the bus. And yeah. It's been great. I've yep. been listening.
0: Well, thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, next Monday morning, by the way, we will be at uh, Daniel J. Gross High School oh, in awesome. Omaha. Oh,
1: awesome. Good. Uh, from
0: 7 to 8, T. Scott. will be joined there by Teresa Monahan as well as uh, Heartland Tour 2 rolls on. I so was again.
1: just there for a track meet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know Gross. right where you're going. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All
0: right. Well, we'll be in the Commons area the next Monday. Awesome. Again uh, from 7 to 8 a.m. Well, you've got mm-hmm. A lot of stuff going on too, Mrs. Doran.
1: Well, yeah, our our website is opening today. Today is the official opening date at uh, www.seekingtruth.net, and we're taking registrations for fall of next year. So that's exciting.
0: Yeah, and uh, we want to let people know: do not procrastinate on getting registered for this. It fills up quick, yeah. as it should.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited. I mean, take a look at our website. It it and you can just Google "seeking truth Omaha." It'll come right up. And uh, we're doing Genesis next year, oh. and if you get the beginning wrong, you get everything, everything wrong. wrong. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's really foundational, and it's just beautiful. And sometimes people get like, oh, Old Testament, I don't know that, but you'll see Jesus on every page. Just the unity of the two books, how how all the prophecies get fulfilled in Christ. So we go back and forth just because we're doing Old Testament, we'll still be making so many links with the New. So I, I just love Genesis. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I can't wait.
0: I don't think there's a book in that Bible you don't love. Oh, that's sure. right. <laughs> I know. I love
1: them all. I do.
0: I do. All right. Well, let's uh, pick up our discussion uh, because okay. we do have Holy Week coming next week. We're yes. going to make a little bit of a jump here. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what's great about live radio, Bruce. Uh, thank you, because coming into Holy Week, I think it's really important that people kind of understand what was politically going on in Rome, what was historically going on in Rome at the time of Christ's crucifixion and death. I find it extremely interesting. And, you know, the Bible is really, um, it's been scrutinized for over 2,000 years. What book has had more scrutiny. And it always holds true. And it, it holds true as an accurate historical count as well. Um, so let's look a little bit at the backdrop. And, you know, why were these 11 of these 12 apostles willing to die gruesome deaths? I mean, that certainly in itself is evidence of the resurrection power of Christ. I mean, so so when we look at the Bible, we see that it's just a collection like a library. There's all different sorts of books in there. There's history books like uh, uh, that have more narrative accounts There's there's law books, wisdom, poetry, um, apocalyptic like Revelation and Daniel, epistles, letters from uh, Paul, wrote so many wonderful letters. But I, also there's history. And the invisible God makes himself known through the person of Jesus Christ in human history. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people will come to the church just by studying history alone. I mean, church history, early writings of the church fathers, it just makes our faith come alive in a new way. So so um, what was going on at this time, we know from Luke 2, that at the birth of Jesus in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. But then we see in Luke 3, uh, at the time of his death, in the 15th year, of reign Tiberius Caesar. So there was a new Caesar. First it was Augustus, now it's Tiberius. Pontius Pilate is governor over Judea. Herod is Tetrarch of Galilee. His brother Philip is Tetrarch of Ituria and Traconius. And Licinius is Tetrarch of Abilene. Now we can look that up in the history books and document all of those. They are true. Those people were really ruling at the time. And Luke is nice on details. Being a physician, he, he just accurately gives us these tips, and we can check in the history books, and they all ring true. Mm-hmm. Pontius Pilate was ruling the governor of Judea at this time and Herod was tetrarch of Galilee which Herod that was Herod Antipas son of Herod the Great uh who who after his death he became the ruler of Galilee he married the daughter of Artis, king of Arabia later lived with Herodias the wife of his own half-brother Philip and we know that's the reason John the Baptist got his head cut off at the dinner party mm-hmm. because of that adulterous relationship and and so I mean these things are real events in history and uh uh, the uncovering archaeological things still support. They'll find things all the time that still add support, and um, even the secular world realizes. I mean, I've seen articles in Time magazine just that that we should be teaching Bible literacy, even in public schools. Uh, that scares people. They say, but very, very, very carefully. Right. But but I mean, religious literacy is really important um, because it's historical. Time itself centers around the birth of Jesus Christ. And Bruce, I love in the mornings when you announce. You say, today is Thursday, April 14th, in the year of our Lord. I love when I hear that because I don't hear that in any other radio stations. In the year of our Lord, because time centers around the birth of Jesus Christ. And God makes Uh, his son, come into the world. And all time is ordered around this event. A lot of great people have been born over Mm -hmm. the years, and we don't center time around them. So, you know, I I always put B.C., not before common era. You know, some people would like to change that, but before Christ, based on the Julian and Gregorian calendars. So um, this invisible God who exists outside of time and space enters time and space, and all time is ordered around him. So keep saying that.
0: Absolutely, I will. (laughs) And actually, I have to credit... uh, a listener for bringing that forward i used to just do the date and then he was like well why don't you sing in the year of our Lord?" oh i
1: love it makes perfect sense i love it i love it thank you for doing it you bet so then um in John 19, 12, at the time of, of the trial of Jesus, it says, From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. So which Caesar is this? It's Tiberius Caesar. And Tiberius will die on March 16th of 37 AD, but he was the Roman Caesar at the time of the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Now, now, going back a little bit, um, in 36 BC, Rome tried to invade Persia. In 31 B.C. before Christ, Octavian, Julius Caesar's son, adopted son Octavian, is ruling. He defeats Mark Anthony. Uh, We see Cleopatra commit suicide in 30 B.C., and in 27, Octavian appoints himself Augustus. That's a title for the first emperor, and he founds the Praetorian Guard. And so when the Holy Family is sojourning to Egypt after Joseph has a dream and they have to flee, Egypt is already under Roman control. The Roman Empire is ruling the world. Mm -hmm. And so the first five emperors of Rome are Augustus, then Tiberius, then Caligula, Claudius, and then Nero. Uh-huh. And so we're going to hear about Nero in the Bible also. But, um, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. I'm not going to get into all the history of Rome, although don't tempt me because I love all the stories. But um, Rome, and if you go to Rome, you'll see this she-wolf with these two little boys nursing from it. That's Romus and Remulus. I won't get into to that But there's a temple to Romulus, and later that temple is gifted to Pope Felix IV, and uh he combines that temple with another one that's a temple of Castor and Pollux. And those are mentioned in Acts 28. Paul mentions Castor and Pollux. He says they're they're floating in an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. Those are pagan gods. So, I mean, you just see that you can just go back. And then when Paul comes before Nero in Acts chapter 28, he's appealing before Caesar Nero. And that'll be... Um, in the year, we know that in the year 64 AD, there was a great fire in Rome, and Emperor Nero is said to be playing the fiddle while the whole city burns before right. his eyes because he'd like maybe a new estate, or, and, and it all gets blamed on the Christians. And it'll be under his reign that Peter and Paul are both martyred. So um, I know we got to get to the news, but, but oh my gosh, in John 21, when uh, um, Christ says to Peter, very truly, I tell you, Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. So we see like, like up until the end, um, Peter's going to be fighting against the Roman establishment, mm-hmm. uh, bringing the gospel to Rome as our first pope.
0: We're getting one of your spectacular history lessons on uh, what was going on uh, in Rome uh, and uh, really in the world at uh, the time that uh, Jesus was here and approaching his own uh, betrayal and uh, crucifixion. So uh, let's uh, continue uh, with our history here.
1: Yeah, thanks Bruce. Well, I I want to uh, say before the Roman Empire was a huge powerhouse First, Alexander the Great, Greece was ruling, and Alexander the Great died in three twenty-three BC. And he died a very young man in his early thirties, but he uh, he created one of the greatest, largest empires in ancient history. Mm. Guess who his tutor was when he was a little boy?
0: Aristotle. <laughs>
1: yes, can you believe that? Can wow. you imagine being tutored by Aristotle? Hello oh there. my gosh. How's yeah, it going, Aristotle? Yeah, right. What's How's Plato doing? <laughs> <laughs> and so I mean, I just I just uh what he did was he Hellenized the world. Mm-hmm. and that means he made it Greek and uh, the discipline of philosophy was was thriving at the time the study of truth a search for wisdom uh, and so th- you know we have these lovers of wisdom like Plato and Aristotle searching for truth and also the language the Greek language is amazing Hebrew language Aramaic is is, is different and, and it's not as sophisticated as the Greek language could explain some of these major truths uh, like logos that that John you know in, in his prologue we just get a such a deeper understanding when it, the Greek language came along. And so Greek was a language at the time The the Old Testament had been translated already, called the Septuagint by 72 elders. And so uh, it, it, the world was Hellenized. But then the Romans conquered Spain, and then the Romans conquer Greece in 146 B.C., and then the birth of Julius Caesar in 100 B.C. And so this starts uh, really, it's dated in 27 B.C. to be the beginning of the Roman Empire. And that will last till 476 A.D. So when Christ is on the earth. Rome is in charge, right. and uh, so you can imagine first century Jerusalem because the Jews are under Roman dominance, and uh, the Jews don't like that. I mean, but sure. they will work with the Jews because oh, the Jews—they uh, were—they were kind of a thorn in Rome's side. They were—they were a group to be dealt with. They gave them a lot of religious freedom, but they—they—they they, they were there on top of them, watching their every move. Also, so this is what Christ walks into, and Julius founds the Roman Empire. But then you remember uh, from your history that he was assassinated. Mm -hmm. Uh, Julius Caesar gets assassinated on March 15th, 44 B.C., uh, and that changes everything. Now his nephew, he didn't have any sons of his own, but had adopted his nephew Octavian. And that adopted son comes in and gives a passionate speech to the Senate, and they vote to make Julius Caesar a god. Mm. Julius Caesar is devonized. He is made a god. He is declared by Rome to be a god, which means his son, Octavian, who is now ruling, is son of God. Oh, my. So on the coins, on the Roman coins, we get Julius Caesar on one side and on the back, son of God, Augustus Caesar, Octavian, Augustus Caesar. So so now the plot thickens because, uh, you know, in the in the Roman world, there was a, a, an official pers- um prescription that said the emperor caesar son of god augustus ruler of all the land and all the sea so i mean wow he's 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 got godlike status now now when the jews had to pay tax to caesar And uh, anyone that was not uh, a Roman citizen had to pay tax to Caesar. And a special tax was levied on subject peoples that were not Roman citizens. So, you know, the Jews didn't like that. They have to pay temple tax, and now they have to pay Roman tax. And so uh, when the Pharisees try to untap Jesus one time in Mark 12, they say, you know, they they give a coin and they say, uh, what are we supposed to do? You know, whose image is this? Whose inscription is this? Bring me a denarius, Jesus says. Let me look at it. They bring him the coin, and he says who is this? And they say, Caesar. And Jesus said, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Yeah. And they're amazed at his answers. They're trying to yeah. trap him in some big trap. And, and he just says, "Give." he has no problem giving Caesar his tax, but give everything else to God. And you know, the Shema, they say it twice a day, give God all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And now in the New Testament, he also adds all your mind. And so, yeah, give Caesar his little denarius because give God everything, everything else. Our minds, you know, I mean, I just love that. That's I love beautiful. I love that. So he's not threatened at all by that. Give him his tax. And, uh, and so um, what I think is interesting too, now we've got Octavian, who's son of God. Augustus, son of God, and Jesus is on the scene, another son of God, and in all through Matthew's gospel, we'll hear we'll hear we'll hear them yelling at him. If you're son of God, then tell these stones to become. If you're son of God, why don't you throw yourself down? if you're if you're son of God, they shouted, you know, uh, tell us if you're the Messiah, the son of God. Tell because they, there's another son of God, Octavian, mm-hmm. and and uh, then also another interesting thing is that Rome, when you build an empire, of course we know Rome wasn't built a day, there was much bloodshed as they conquered other countries and the empire grew. When Julius um, came, when Caesar Augustus came, Octavian, he is, uh, prides himself on keeping Roman peace. And in fact, the era became known as Pax Romana or mm-hmm. Pax Augusta, keeping the Roman peace. So so Augustus promised to, to do this. And not only is he son of God, but he's also the prince of peace. He oh will my. keep peace for Roman. <laughs> Have you heard that before? Oh, wow. You know, the Jews knew Isaiah 9-6 had predicted, you know, that, that someone was coming, he'd be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. So it's kind of like, who's the real prince of peace? Is mm-hmm. it Caesar Augustus or is that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this guy, this carpenter from Nazareth, is he really the son of God and the prince of peace? Caesar wears a crown, a royal crown of an emperor. Jesus is going to wear a different crown, a crown of thorns. That'll be his king's crown. And, And Caesar Augustus promises to bring Pax Romana peace to all the land. But his peace will end because the Roman Empire will fall, and uh, but Jesus Christ, his peace, his Pax is perfect, is is eternal. It's mm-hmm. eternal. It never ends. So uh, the Jewish people knew that when the Messiah came, he they, he promised to bring peace. And Jeremiah it says in Jeremiah thirty three six, I will bring health and healing. I will heal my people. I will let them know abundant peace and security. Ezekiel thirty seven, I'm going to make a covenant of peace with them, an everlasting covenant of peace. Nahum, look at the mount. The one who brings uh, the good news on his feet, the one who proclaims peace. And Haggai, you know, it just promised that that this this son of God would also be a prince of peace. But then in Matthew 10, Jesus says, "Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword." Mm-hmm. Huh? You know, I mean, people are going to have to make a decision. There's a line drawn in the sand. Which side are you on? Uh, he's he's brought truth. And his peace is going to be different. John 16, verse 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. So his peace is a little different than the world's peace. And uh, that'll be interesting in that Roman Empire. Another thing... I love Galatians 4, uh, verse 4, Paul writes, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons why then? Bruce, did you ever wonder, like, why then? I mean, wouldn't it have been cool if we were living when Jesus, uh, you know, was walking the earth? Mm -hmm. Then we certainly would have no doubts. Then we certainly would. Why did he come then? Especially
0: our era of instant communication that we have now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We could Google, we could text our friends,
1: we could do everything. Feeding
0: frenzy, that would be. Yes,
1: yes. But he comes, Paul tells us, in the fullness of time. Mm -hmm. Why then? And I think of a triangle, and you have Jerusalem, you have the Jewish people, and God has revealed himself to them for how hundreds of years before them in his covenants, in his love, in the scriptures, in the prophets. And then you have Greece who brought the philosophy and the language. And then you have Rome who has all the social structure in place, civic law, and they have roads. The gospel's going to be able to be spread quickly. And so it's kind of like the perfect storm when all these three come together and Mm -hmm. In the year of our Lord, he is born, he enters human history. Okay, so Bruce, will you read us those first uh, six verses from John 18?
0: I will indeed. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the ravine of Kidron, where there was a garden in which he entered with his disciples. Now Judas also, who was betraying him, knew the place, for Jesus had often met there with his disciples. Judas then, having received the Roman cohort and office from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. So Jesus, knowing all the things that were coming upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am he. And Judas also, who was betraying him, was standing with them. So when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground.
1: I love how John presents this. And when we compare the synoptics, uh, we get a little different flavor, a little different account. But John, John, oh, John, he shows that Christ is in total control of the situation. He is not a victim. This is a man in absolute full control. And when you see when you see these men falling to the ground, a Roman cohort, may I tell you, um, Legions varied greatly over time. They were typically composed of 6,000 soldiers. A legion is divided into cohorts and further divided into centuries. A cohort is six centuries of 80 men, so about 480 soldiers. Look at, the, look at this irony of John, 480 full soldiers. Uh, Roman soldiers in full regalia come to arrest this man who has who has never been violent, yeah. you know, who has never held anything from anyone. He has told everything the Father has made known to him. He has made known. He never did things in secret. Everything the Father made known to him, he has shared with with them, with us, and here they bring this four hundred and eighty Roman soldiers to arrest this guy in the middle of the night. <laughs> and it just it just shows this thick irony because he's nonviolent and he, he says, I am he mm-hmm. and they draw back and they fall to the ground. Fall to the ground. All he says is three words. I am he. He, I mean, John is showing this divinity of Christ. He is the one. And they fall to the ground. It knocks them on their fannies, you know? It yeah. knocks them back. And so Jesus is in full control. Um, Matthew Matthew says, uh, Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But then would the scripture be fulfilled? I mean, Jesus could have done this anyway. He's God. He could have done this anyway. I mean, he says he could have called on, his father would have gladly sent 72,000 angels. (laughs) One legion, 6,000, 12 times 6,000. 72,000, could have been at his disposal in the snap of a finger. But no, he will go voluntarily. This is a voluntary love. This is a free will love. He will be obedient to the father in all things, even unto death. Uh, so, so that's that's beautiful. And in Luke's account, um, because Luke maybe is a physician, he shows Jesus healing that ear of Malchus. Mm-hmm. You know, Peter's ready; he grabs his sword; he's ready to to fight. You know, and, and and that's not what Jesus wants. He did not want violence. He does not. Also, he wants to spare their lives. I mean, he doesn't want someone getting killed now. One of his own. One, these guys have a big job to do after yeah. he's gone. When he is, they have a huge job to spread this gospel. They'll do greater works than he ever did. He tells them because he's gonna. They're gonna spread the gospel by their personal testimony of knowing jesus christ and so um, i find that amazingly interesting do you want to go on and read um, more from there sure
0: uh, picking it up again at verse seven therefore he again asked them whom do you seek and they said jesus the nazarene jesus answered i told you that i am he so if you seek me let these go their way to fulfill the word of which he spoke of those whom you have given me i lost not one Simon Peter then, having a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear, and the slave's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put the sword into the sheath, the cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink
1: it? That's right. Okay, so there's Malchus. Peter's cut his ear off. In Luke's account, he heals the ear. Now, now he says, "Should I not drink this cup that the Father has given me?" But we know. I mean, he's just been agonizing about this in the garden. He was in Gethsemane and 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 saying, "Oh, Father," you know, sweating tears of blood in Luke's account mm-hmm. from the physical anxiety that 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 can he face this? Can he do this? Can he undergo this scrutiny? Yes, Father, it, 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 I will. But you know, could would it be possible that this cup pass from me but but not my will father but yours your will be done and and he's surrendering this totally to the lord but but it as a human there is angst there is angst this is this is going to be hard this is going to be hard to stay obedient but he will he will to glorify the father but uh put, but he doesn't want violence put the sword back into the sheath. the cup which the father has given me shall i not drink it mm-hmm. he, he's willing to do this he's resolved his result he's on the march to Calvary now. Uh, and, and they have just come from the Last Supper, um, and they're out in the dark. Judas has betrayed him. One that he loved gave every chance, every chance, right up into the end, having him sit next to him at the Last Supper, giving him the bread, giving him every last chance. Um, but but they will go forward. There's a lot of irony in this chapter of John. Um, okay, so and and we're hearing too about. Did you read about something about Caiaphas yet? Um, uh, no, we were just okay. uh, Stop it. On, go from verse twelve, please.
0: All right. So the Roman cohort and the commander and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him and led him to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now Caiaphas was the one who advised the Jews it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so was another disciple. Now the disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest.
1: Okay, let's stop there. Yep. We, we've got Caiaphas mentioned and Annas. Now, there is one high priest of Jerusalem, and they had a way of assigning the high priest that was designated by God, but Rome had come in and started assigning their high priest. So the people are still referring to Annas, who they knew was the— this was a, a priestly family. He had four or five sons, um, and, and it's going to Caiaphas, but he keeps referring back to Annas, uh, the father-in-law, or his father— um, And so that's kind of interesting. But Caiaphas speaks in prophecy. He is the official high priest of Israel. And he says it would be better if one man died for the people. Do you remember when he said that? Mm -hmm. It's back in uh, John 11. I think, uh, let me find, I'm going to turn my Bible to it here. In John 11, when they, um, at the death of Lazarus, and Jesus goes to heal Lazarus, uh, from to raise Lazarus from the dead, and this is going to uh, this is this is going to just put the Pharisees over the edge. I mean, Bethany's just a few miles from Jerusalem. Some of them had come, come out. He said, "Oh no, if he does this, and he did, if he raises his man, then all you know, everyone's going to believe in him." Right. But one of them, Caiaphas. This is verse 49 of of John 11. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, "You know nothing at all." "...you do not understand that it is expedient for you, it is better for you, that one man should die for the people, and that that the whole nation should not perish." Now, he did not say this on his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Mm -hmm. So so he doesn't know it. This is John's irony again. He doesn't even know it, but he's speaking prophetically. It will be better for one man to die. It will be much better if this one man dies, then salvation will come to the whole world. Um, So... That's pretty, that's pretty cool, John's mm-hmm. irony. Um, you want to continue reading, Bruce?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Let's see here. Whoop,
0: get back here. All right, Simon Peter was following Jesus, so was another disciple. Now that mm. disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest.
1: Okay, stop there. Yep. It's hard to get into the court of the high priest. Okay. I mean, not just anyone can get in there. And uh, Mark fourteen fifty four tells us Peter follows at a distance. Right into the courtyard of the high priest. Peter follows him at a distance. Bruce, I don't know if you've ever done this in your life, but but uh, have you ever followed Christ at a distance? Oh, yeah. That's dangerous. Yeah. That's a dangerous place to be following him at a distance. That strikes me. Peter followed him at a distance. Uh, and it's hard to get into that courtyard. Uh, John 8 says Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus because. This disciple was known to the high priest. Someone, one of those disciples, had access to the high priest. Someone knew him. Uh, a lot of people think that's John. Did John come from a priestly family in some way? Or, or I've even read scholars that say um, Zebedee, John's father, was a fisherman, and maybe they <laughs> delivered fish to the high priest. And there was some. He might. He might have known a girl in the courtyard, or some way. John probably got Peter into that courtyard, right. and we know what happens in that courtyard. Denial. The denial. Peter's first denial, second denial, third denial, and then the cock crows. Uh, in John 18, verse 15, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest. He went in with Jesus to the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You are one of his disciples, are you not? The girl at the door asked Peter, and he replied, I am. I am not. And he'll say it three times, I am not. I am not. That's such a juxtaposition because Jesus had just said, I am he. Mm -hmm. And 480 soldiers fall backwards. And now Peter's saying, I am not, I am not, I am not. And Peter is lying. He's denying Christ, not once, not twice, but three times. That's the greatest emphasis Hebrew scripture gives to something when they repeat it three times. This is a full out denial on Peter's part. Bruce, is there not hope for all of us? I mean when when Jesus Christ gives him that look he's walking by and they exchange and Peter's eyes meet his and there is a look exchanged between the two and I imagine that to be the greatest look of love and mercy and understanding. And from Peter, it is a look of great remorse mm-hmm. and great regret. <laughs> what he's just done. He's denied our Lord. But our Lord has big plans for this man, for this sinner, for this coward, for this man full of fear who's following him at a distance now. We can't follow Christ at a distance. It's a dangerous place to be. He wants us in full covenant, in full relation. He wants us acknowledging him. Every day, all the time. Don't follow at a distance. That's what Peter did. But God, in His great redemptive love and mercy, looks at Peter. He forgives Peter. He's going to reinstate Peter in John 21, not once, not twice, but three times. Do you love me, Peter? Then feed my lambs. Do you love me, Peter? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Three times over a charcoal fire, just like the charcoal fire in the courtyard there. There's a great connection there. Jesus Christ will forgive Peter, and he will use him in a mission beyond all others. He will use him to spread the gospel to all corners of the earth. He will be the leader of the new church, the bride of Christ. He will entrust that to this man, Peter, who denied him and followed at a distance. Wow, there's hope mm-hmm. for all of us. There's Amen. hope. There's hope for all of us.
0: <laughs> Especially during Lent, let's uh, close the distance gap uh, if there's uh, any in our life right now. Mm. Wow. Amen. Yeah, Sharon, thank you so much. Mm. It's wonderful. Again, uh, Sharon Doran, the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible study with us this morning. We do want to let you know, uh, seekingtruth.net, the website will be opening today uh, for the fall 2011 online registration for a study of the book of Genesis. And again, uh, that will be this fall. Uh, don't think that you got a lot of time, though. It uh, does fill quickly. So, again, uh, visit the website, SeekingTruth.net. Sharon Dorn, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. God bless you.
1: Thank you, Bruce. Have a great day. All
0: right, and you too.